Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Brian. That's uh, gosh, that's a nice uh, start. I was anticipating a little bit uh, more of a roasting or something because uh, <laughs> give me a nice start like that. That's that's a good way to go. Um, as Brian said, I don't get a lot of times to get up here. Actually, this is the only time I am going to be preaching at the North Campus this year. But uh, Brian tells me my messages are special because um, typically he uh, always schedules me on Fourth uh, of July, uh, Labor Day the day after Christmas, the Sunday after Christmas. So I just know on those special holidays that, you know, I'm going to be, I'm up, you know. But, hey, the truth is, really, we have some great communicators here at Frontline. Obviously, we have Brian. um, We have David, our teaching pastor. We have Brad, our student ministry pastor, who is just doing a phenomenal job there. Um, We have a guy named Dr. Jeremy Grinnell, who preaches here a lot, too. And then we have John over at our South Campus. So um, there's not a lot of opportunities for me to jump up here, but uh, we have made a conscious decision uh, to bring you quality, quality communicators and to lift up. As Brian said um, years ago, or not years ago, but this past uh, spring here, he said, you know what? Um, he feels that this time of life is to be a kingmaker rather than uh, a king. So he's been lifting up these speakers and giving them opportunities. So once in a while, they throw the old dog a bone and uh, let me hear uh, this morning. So... Anyway, as we begin this morning, I want to take you back to 1978. 1978, and more specifically, I want to take you back to January of 1978. It was the great blizzard of 1978. It was when winter was winter, okay? None of this pansy stuff we've been having lately, but uh, who remembers 1978 winter? Oh, there's a few old people out there with me. Hey, we do, okay? It was awesome. I was 12 years old, kind of short, kind of skinny, kind of pimply, very similar to what I am today, but a little bit older. But uh, if you uh, remember 1978, it just came down, 36 inches of snow in like 24 hours. Here's a couple pictures here. The roads were just packed. Cars were not moving anywhere. Here's another one. People were stranded out on the highways. But here's the best part, okay? When you're 12 years old, school was canceled, and not just for a day, but it was canceled for the entire week, okay? So I know some of you kids are heading back to school in a couple days there, but the whole week off, that was awesome. Well, as I said, I was 12 years old, and it was the first day of this snow break, and it was about a couple hours in, and my mom got sick of me already, so she kicked me out of the house and said, go find something to do. So I went down to my friend Andy's house. My uh, friend Andy lived just a a few uh, doors down from me, And we were there, and his dad made a comment that would forever change my next seven days. His dad said, somebody could make a lot of money shoveling off roofs with all of this snow. And in that instant, the A and B, the Andy and Blake Snow Roof Removal Company was formed, okay? So we headed out with our shovels and with our ladders, and we headed out to find our first customer, okay? And so we went to the house of Mr. and Mrs. DeWitt, Okay, they had one of the biggest houses on the street. And, you know, we said, go big or what? Go home, right? So we went big. So we knocked on the door and said, hey, can we shovel the snow off your roof? And she said, sure, how much? And we're like, "Um, $20. And you know what? $20 in 1978 was not a lot of money. And $20 in 1978 was certainly not enough money to shovel that much snow off the roof. So that was our first business mistake. But she said, sure. We said, hey, let's do it. So we took our ladders, we shoved them up against the house there, and in the process, we shoved her eaves shut, okay? Ooh, second mistake. Apparently, those are kind of important in the spring, okay? 
third mistake we made is we jumped up onto this roof here and we started to shovel against the grain, you know, popping off a few shingles every once in a while. Again, apparently those are kind of important in the spring, so we'd find out. Profits were going out the window already, okay? So you can see we weren't real great at this. We got done with the main level, and our fourth mistake, which was our biggest mistake, was that this was a tri-level house. So we were up on the top level now. We had to bring the ladder to that level, and we realized we couldn't shovel the snow off. We had to shovel it back down onto the first level, thus we doubled our work. So we got up to the top level there, and we were tired. We sat down, and then Andy had this great idea. And he said, wouldn't it be awesome to slide off this roof? And I thought, yeah, this would be awesome to slide off this roof. Well, by the time I got awesome off already out of my mouth, Andy was down both ladders, back to his house, and he was fetching us a couple sleds, okay? He made his way back up, and he was just about to start off there, and I'm still looking. This is, like, terrifying. This is way up. And here's the thing you need to know about my friend Andy. Andy was fearless, okay? He was that kid in the neighborhood who did things first and then asked questions later. Anybody else grow up with somebody like that? He was just crazy. One other person. Uh, he was just crazy, okay? At four years old, Andy was riding dirt bikes. And if this gives you any insight into uh, Andy's life, a little bit later in life, Andy became a professional skydiver, okay? So this is my friend, okay? So he gets up there and he takes off. He goes off the first roof, down to the second roof, over the shed, over the six-foot-high chain link fence, between the two oak trees, and down into the ravine. It was absolutely awesome to see from the top of the roof. And then he turned around, and he said a couple words that put fear into my heart. He said, you're next, okay? Contrary to Andy, I was not courageous. I was not a, a daredevil. Uh, let me think of the word that would probably best describe me. Um, Mama's boy, okay? That would probably be it, okay? I was fearless. I was fearful. And so Andy sensed that. He shimmied back up both of the ladders, and he joined me up here, and he said, you know, let's do it together. So I said, oh, okay. So I step onto the front part of the sled and sit down, and he gets onto the back side, and he goes, I'll steer. A mistake, okay? Because the guy in the back doesn't steer. The guy in the front steers. But here enough, we head off the first roof, down to the second roof, over the shed, over the six-foot chain link fence, between the two oak trees, and down into the ravine. And I turned around to Andy, and I said, that was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. And the rest of the afternoon, we spent the day sliding down this roof. We never, never finished shoveling the roof. It was crazy. It was probably one of the best days of my life. Now, here's the thing you need to know about Andy. Andy obviously was courageous, he was good looking, he was fearless, he was strong, he was athletic. He was everything that I wasn't at 12 years old. On the surface, he had everything going for him. But like so many people, under the surface, well that's another story. I want to take us now to a story we're going to find in the Bible about some other guys that happened to be up on the roof, okay? And this story comes from us from Mark 2. And typically, if you've been to Frontline for any length of time, you know that we usually put the words up here on the, on the screens or we ask you to pull out your Bible or pull out your phone to take a look. But this morning, I would like to tell you the story of Mark 2. And the reason I want to tell you the story is because, if you didn't know this in the past there, but before the Bible was written, 
the Bible was told orally from person to person to person, and that's how we got the Bible. So in that tradition, I'd love to tell you the story of Mark 2. Let me give you a little context of where we are here before I begin, though. Just before Mark 2 here, just before Jesus enters Capernaum, he has just healed Peter's mother-in-law. He has just healed a man with leprosy. He has just driven out demons. He is like a rock star right now, okay? People are flocking to Jesus. So he has retreated out of town, but it's been a couple days. Now he's heading back into town. And so we'll pick up the story here at Mark 2. Several days later, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, the news spread quickly that he was back in town. Soon the, the house that he was staying at, it was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, not, not even by the door. As Jesus was teaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. It's on a mat. They, they tried to bring him to Jesus, but they couldn't because of the crowds. So, 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 they cut a hole in the roof above his head, and they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, seeing their faith, he turned to the paralyzed man and he said, my child, your sins are forgiven. However, there were some religious leaders of the law who were there too, and they thought to themselves, what's this? This, this is blasphemy because only God can forgive sins. But Jesus, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked him, why do you question these things in your heart? Is it easier for me to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to stand up, pick up your mat, and to walk? So to prove to you and to you, and to you, that the Son of Man has authority even on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man, and he said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Oh, the man, oh, the man, he jumped up. He grabbed his mat, and he walked right through all the stunned onlookers. And the people, oh, the people, the people were amazed. And they said to one another, we have never seen anything like this before. So ends the telling of God's story from Mark 2. Every time I hear that story, every time I read that story, every time I tell that story, um, something strikes me in that story. There's a lot going on in that story, okay? You've got a guy getting healed. You've got some, some religious leaders of the law here. You've got some crowd involved. Every time I hear that story, what it amazes me is the faith of these friends. The faith of these friends. And I ask myself, and maybe you'll start to think about this question too. You say, do I have friends who love me that much? Do I have friends that care about me that much? Do I have friends that are vested that deeply into my life that they bring me to the feet of Jesus? Probably the most important question maybe we ask ourselves is, am I that friend to others? Am I that friend to others? 
as I look over my own 50-plus years on this earth, you know, I think I would probably rate myself as a, as a pretty good friend, you know? I think, you know, I've, I've been there for a lot of my friends. We've had friends go through divorces, and I've, I've walked through that with them. I've had friends who have, you know, lost their jobs, and I've helped network for them, trying to find them a new job. I've had friends that have gone through some financial problems, and, you know, we tried to help out as best we could with that. I got a friend who had knee surgery, you know. I went and picked him up for years here to, to drive him to swimming every morning so I could swim with him and just be a good friend. You know, I think I've been a pretty good friend along that lines. But when I think about this and I, I evaluate my own life and I say, have I brought them to the foot of the cross? Have I brought them to Jesus? I don't know if I have lived up to that so well. I don't know if I have done such a great job at that. But you know, then you kind of rationalize those things. Maybe you do that too. You rationalize things. You say, is that really important? Is, it, is, is that as important that it needs to be? You know, I think I've met a lot of physical needs, but you know, is, isn't, doesn't that good works do enough for me? Isn't that enough? Jesus says in his word, it's not enough. Because he calls us to something more than that. It's in Matthew 28. It's called the Great Commission. It's the great rescue mission. So we are called to bring people to the feet of Jesus. It's not just enough to meet their physical needs. You have to be, meet their spiritual needs too. Only Jesus can save them, but it's our job. It's our job as believers in Jesus Christ to bring them to the cross there. So I'm not quite sure I've, I've done a great job at that. So I take a look at this story and I say, well, how, how can I do better at that? How can I live a life that would be honoring to God? And I've I've identified five things in this story, and uh, there's probably more, but for me, I've just thought, hey, here's five things that I could take out of this story that help me be a better friend and bring people to the foot of the cross. And the first thing I think of is that good friends believe in one another. Good friends believe in one another. Can you imagine how hopeless it would be to be on this mat day in and day out? Can you imagine what that would be like but here comes four guys who say, you know what? We believe today's the day. Today's the day we're going to bring you to Jesus. Today's the day you're going to walk. Can you imagine the hope that that brought to him? Good friends believe in each other. Do you have good friends that believe in you? Are you a good friend that believes in others? Another thing that good friends do, good friends encourage one another. Good friends encourage one another. I think we can all identify people who are encouragers in our life, and then also we can identify people who are not encouragers in our life. Again, how discouraging each day to be on this mat and to look at these four corners and just know this is it. But to have a friend that comes in and says, you know what, today I think is the day. Today's the day. Today's the day we're going to the cross. Today's the day that you're going to get healed. Wouldn't that be awesome to have friends like that? I hope you have friends in your life like that. I hope you don't have Eeyores in your life. You know what a Eeyore is, right? You know what Eeyore is? You remember, remember Pooh up here? You remember Pooh? Should go back to the last one there. Here's Pooh. Yeah, we got Pooh, we got Piglet, Tigger, and Rue, and Eeyore. Remember Eeyore on there? Eeyore was the half glass empty, right? You know, the glass half empty guy? Oh, Pooh, don't think that's going to work today. That's just not good enough. That was Pooh, or that was Eeyore, okay? Eeyore was that way. You have Eeyores in your life. I just want to point something out real quick. 
Eeyore, we'll go to the next one, Eeyore. Eeyore is a blue donkey, okay? Just saying he's a donkey, okay? <laughs> Just saying. Do you have a donkey in your life? Don't be a donkey, okay? What we need in our life, what we need in our life is more Tiggers. Here's Tigger. That's what we need. Tigger did everything. Tigger bounced around, jumped everything. Tigger was the guy you wanted in your corner. Tigger was the guy that you said, oh, man, this is, this is who it is. Tigger was a guy carrying the corner of the mat here. That's what a Tigger was. Do you have Tiggers or do you have Eeyores in your life? Good friends encourage one another. Not only do good friends believe in each other, not only do good friends encourage one another, but you know what? Good friends challenge one another. They challenge one another. A lot of us like to be, stay in our status quo. A lot of us like to, you know, stay in our little box and where this is all good. But what a really a good friend does is challenges us to be better than what we were before. A lot of you don't know my story, but uh, some of you do in here. But uh, for many years, uh, I was in business, and uh, I was pretty good in it, okay? It wasn't, wasn't all that great, but I was pretty good in it, and I was making a pretty good living. But I had a really good friend who believed in me. I had a really good friend who encouraged me. But this is what I had. I had a really good friend who challenged me and said, you know what, Blake? I think there's more to your life than this. I think you can do more. And I, I took his advice, and I said, you know what? I think you might be right. And I can sit, stand in front of you this morning, and I can tell you, without that good friend challenging me, there is no way I'd be standing in front of you this morning. But that's what a good friend does. He believes in you, he encourages you, and he challenges you. Another thing a good friend does is a great friend inspires us, inspires us. you have friends that inspire you? Do I have friends that inspire you? Look at who was the guy on here who had the awesome idea to go through the roof, okay? That's inspiring, okay? They couldn't get to, they couldn't get to Jesus. So one of the guys, maybe two, who had the awesome idea, the inspiring idea like, hey, I know this is going to sound a little crazy, guys, but hear me out, okay? What do you say? We, and what do you think, you know? And I'm going to say there's probably a guy on here that maybe was the Eeyore going, I don't know. That seems like a lot of mess, you know? But no, a Tigger on here, a guy who inspires you, that's what we need in our lives. We don't need any more Eeyores. We need guys who inspire us. We need friends who inspire us. I hope you have friends that inspire you. But here's what I think the most important lesson we can learn out of this story is. Most important lesson we can learn out of here is we need friends that bring us to the foot of the cross, that bring us to Jesus. Do we have friends that are doing that? I don't know if I was that great of a friend. I think I'm a better at it now. But I'll tell you what, that's the most important thing, bringing people to the foot of the cross. If you've met my wife, um, you obviously know she's the better half of, of our family, okay? But the one thing about my wife that uh, if you've ever had the privilege of praying with my wife, my wife is a prayer warrior. Brian can attest to that, to that my wife can pray the socks off because my wife has such an intimate relationship with Jesus. It is awesome. It is awesome. And my wife has met with her friends for years and they have prayed for me. They have prayed for their husbands. They prayed for their kids. They prayed for future spouses. And I could sit up here and I could tell you story after story 
of the fact that my wife had brought her friends and me and our family to the foot of, to the, foot of the cross. Are we bringing our friends to the foot of the cross? Are we bringing our family members to the foot of the cross? But you know what? You know what happens a lot of times is we, we want to be those friends in, in this story here. But what happens is we end up emulating or being other people in this story. Sometimes we're over here. And this is where I find myself sometimes. We're like those teachers of the law, those scribes, you know, who kind of pull out their paper here and we're looking at our friends and, and we're casting judgment on them. Do you, we say things like, what's this? What's this? That's what these guys said. These were the teachers of the law. These were the Pharisees. These were the bad guys. Remember the guys with the black hat all through the Bible? These are the guys that always had it in for Jesus. They're always looking to trip him up. And Sometimes I find myself over here in this phase, instead of being that great friend who's carrying the side of the mat, I find myself being sitting here in judgment, and I'm saying to my friends, like, what's this? What's this? You asking me to, to do that again? I mean, really? I, I think I did that last time. I mean, really? Is that it? Or what's this? You, you posted this about me on Facebook, you know? Well, wait till I post something about you. What's this? I find myself in, in this over here, and I'm casting judgment on it. Luke has some pretty strict words about when we do this. It comes from Luke 6, 37. It says, do not judge, and uh, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. That's what we are called to do. We're not sitting here in judgment, because every time we point one finger at them in judgment, got three more pointing back at us that we're sitting here in judgment. Maybe you don't identify with that. Maybe you identify with another people in the story. You identify with a with the crowd over here. You re, you remember the crowd, right? The the crowds there's kind of they're kind of in the way at the start, you know. They, friends can't get to Jesus because of the crowd. But later in the story they're like amazed, you know, and they're like we've never seen anything like this. You know what I think a crowd is like? A crowd, a crowd is like a fan at a, at a game, you know? He's, at a, he's like a fan, and he's, he's raising his hand. He's going like, I'm cheering you on. But you know what fans are, right? Fans are kind of fickle, right? Because when things are going great, yeah, we're on your side. But when things are going bad, we're like, boo, boo. I, I don't want any part of that, man. That's not me. I'm not a fan of that. Fans aren't in the game. Fans are on the sidelines. As friends, we have to be in the game. Now, some of you right now, you're judging me, aren't you? You're over here, you're saying, looking at this, and you're going, Ohio State, okay? Let me just make this clear, okay? I am a Michigan fan, okay? I'm a Go Blue fan. Um, I have a wonderful assistant. I have a wonderful assistant who has many wonderful qualities, one of which is not is the fact that she is from the state of Ohio, okay? And I asked her for some help here, get me some props, and she thought it would be a really cool, funny idea to give me this Ohio State thing, so... Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna lose this, but uh, do Ohio State fans go to church or go to heaven? I don't know. Do you know? Is that a, is that really? A, just saying. Okay, I mean it's a big house. So that's a bad joke. Uh, okay, some of you are state fans. Okay, I'm sorry. I most of us said yeah. Whew. Hey, Jesus loves you too. Okay, so it's it's all good. Hey, some of us find ourselves here as fans there. 
instead of being involved in the game like that, uh, Jesus, James, or James, Jesus' brother, has some words for us here. If we take a look, James 2, 47 says, What is it good, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's dead. We have to have both. We have to have faith and we have to have deeds working together. Now, there's another group of you here this morning, and um, I want to talk to you this morning. Maybe you don't identify with the, the judgment over here, or maybe you're not in the fans, but maybe for you this morning, you, you find yourself on this mat, okay? And life has been really, really hard for you. And you're here this morning, and you're sitting there, and you're thinking, Blake, that's awesome you want to talk about friendships. That's awesome you want to talk about, you know, bringing people to the cross, but I am on the mat this morning, and all I can see is these four corners of this mat. And you're here this morning, and you can't look past the fact that you are on this mat. And you're sitting here this morning, and you say, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with me? Maybe for you this morning, your mat is that you're dealing with cancer. Maybe for you this morning, the mat that you're on is you're dealing with an addiction. Maybe for you this morning, the mat that you're on is you're, you're dealing with anxiety or depression. That's, that was my mat. I was on this mat. Let me tell you three things, okay? If you find yourself on the mat this morning, first thing that I want to tell you is that it's okay. It's okay to be on this mat. It's okay. There's times when we are all on this mat. But it's at that time, it's at that time that we as a church, and it's at this time when we are friends, that we come and we hold a corner of your mat for you. So if you find yourself on your mat this morning, can you just let us know? We're not mind readers here at Frontline. We have to know if you're on the mat. Because that's why this church exists. We want to be here to carry a corner of your mat. There's a guy in our congregation right now who's an incredible volunteer who's on the mat right now. And in these last few weeks when I've seen him on this mat, I've seen this church rally around and grab a corner of this mat. And I bet if I brought him up here this morning, he would tell you, I feel like somebody's carrying me on my mat. So if you're on your mat, please just let us know. Second thing I want to tell you, if you find yourself on the mat, the quickest way or times the eases up the way the, 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 the problems of being on that mat is to look over top of your mat and look at others. That's what helped me is being able to say, you know what, you know, I, this is not a great thing, but when I'm able to focus not on myself and focus on others, it helped me get off my mat a lot quicker. It helped me get off my mat a lot quicker. And the third thing that I want to tell you about if you find yourself on this mat is the Jesus that healed yesterday is the same Jesus that heals today. He is the same healer. Oh, it looks a little different today. But you know what? He is the same Jesus that heals today. So if you find yourself on this mat, we would consider it a privilege. We consider it an honor. We feel it's though it's our duty to help you on your mat. So after the service, if you are on this mat, could you just go to the back of this, the room there? We're going to have some people that would pray for you. If you don't feel comfortable there, come forward. I would love to talk to you. But please, don't leave today if you find yourself on this mat. 
Again, James brother, or Jesus' brother James has this to say if you find yourself on the mat. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call upon the elders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. If you find yourself on the mat, please, allow us the privilege of being there for you. As the band continue, uh, makes its way back up here, I want to take you back to the year 2000 and, uh, 2014, just, just three years ago. And uh, it was another winter day. It was January again. And uh, the weather service said, stay off the roads, Okay. But in Michigan, stay off the roads is code for go to Meyer, okay? Because I don't know why, but is, is anybody else find that out there? Like, stay off the roads means go to Meyer. So I'm at Meyer, okay, because they told me to stay off the roads. Don't know, I don't need anything, but I'm just there. And so I'm pushing my cart along, and I run into, guess who? It's Andy. Man, I haven't seen him for years, you know? And here he is. We run into each other at Meyer, And we're... <laughs> You're doing what old friends do, right? You start catching up. And Andy asked me, he says, what, what's going on? You know, what's happening with your life? And so I, I start telling him, I'm going like, you know, it's awesome. My, my daughter just got married. Um, my son is graduating from high school. Uh, my other son's living out in California. Um, yeah, I'm starting to work at this great new church. It's called Frontline. Have you heard of it? And I'm telling him all these things. And it's just like, I just can't believe how great everything is going. So then I ask him, I say, like, what's happened with you, Ann? And he starts talking about divorce, child support, and uh, addictions, and rehab. And uh, I'm leaning against my cart there, and I'm just, like, stunned. I mean, I haven't seen him for years, and I... I find myself uh, kind of, you know, what's this with my friend, you know? And I'm, I just, I'm stunned at the fact that our lives have changed so drastically over the years. And we're there, and we talk some more, and we get back, and, and I say to that one thing, I say that one thing that, that we as Christians who are followers of Christ, that we say sometimes, and you hate it when you say it, because if you don't do it, man, it just feels terrible. And I said it, and I said, man, I'll pray for you. But did I? We uh, talk for a little bit more, and the snow is coming down, so we say, you know, hey, let's get together, you know, let's, let's put it on the calendar, let's have lunch sometime. And I had all intentions of doing that, you know. I said, let's get, to, let's get together. So, we leave, and, uh, you know, a month goes by, and then two months go by, and then three months go by, and then I, um, I get a call. I get a call from another friend, and he says, hey, did you hear about Andy? And I'm like, no, what, what happened? And he's like, he died. And I... Um, I sat there in sun silence, and I'm just like, what? He's like, yeah, apparently life 
got too hard. And I was just, it was hard. And I um, hung up the phone, and then a couple days later, I'm, I'm at Andy's funeral. And um, everybody shares stories at funeral, right? That's what you do. And so I share the story about, you know, I stop on the roof, and we're sliding, and all that fun stuff. And everybody laughs. It was really cool. And then I sit down by myself, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, did I ever carry a corner of Andy's mat? Did I ever bring him to the foot of the cross? And uh, I didn't. I didn't. I should have. Good friends believe in each other. Good friends encourage each other. Good friends challenge each other. Good friends inspire each other. But good friends bring each other to the corner of the mat. They bring you to the foot of the, to the, foot of the cross. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Jesus healed a lot of people in the Bible, but each one of them died eventually. That's why he was so interested in healing them spiritually first. Are we bringing our friends to the foot of the cross? Are we praying for them? Are we invested in their lives so much so that they just see Jesus living out in us? Because that's what's important. We have this Labor Day weekend here, and you're going to spend time with family, and you're going to spend time with friends. You have the absolute prime opportunity. I have the absolute prime opportunity to carry a corner of the mat and bring our friends to the cross. And if we did that, can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would do? Can you imagine the difference that that would make in our families? Can you imagine the difference that would make in our friendships? Can you imagine the difference that would make in our church here? Can you imagine the difference it would make in our community? We're called to do this. We're not asked. We are called as followers of Christ to carry the corner of the mat. God calls us. God commands us to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you've given us so much. You've given us the absolute wonderful opportunity, Lord, to live into community with people. You don't call us to live in silos. You don't call us to go off into by ourselves. But you call us to live in community. And you call us, Lord, you give us this great command to carry a corner of a mat for somebody. Help us not to take it lightly, Lord. Help us to live into that. Lord, we love you. We want to honor you. We want to give you the glory. We want to do what you have us, you have called us to do, Lord. Help us to live that out in the future. Help us to live that out today. Help us to live that out tomorrow on Labor Day and the rest of this week, Lord. May we be ever mindful of what you have called us to. Help us see those around us, Lord, who are on the mat and Lord, help us to carry that corner for them. And we ask this in your name and all God's people said.